You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. Thank you, Abby and worship team. That was great. Um, my name is Brian. I'm part of the teaching team here, and it's always a privilege when I have a chance to open God's Word uh, to you. Today, we're going to be dealing with sort of a challenging topic, perhaps. It's this idea of how do we as Christians approach uh, debatable topics, you know, things that, the, that well-meaning, good people are on sort of opposite sides of the issue, and uh, we wrestle through some of it. So this is not a Red Sox-Dodgers thing, okay? Because there's not really a moral component, a biblical component to it. Unless you're an Astros fan, then clearly that's a problem. But, um, but uh, there are things that we as Christians can legitimately debate about, right? Things that we can struggle with or think through. So, you know, there's things, uh, should a Christian drink alcohol? Uh, can a Christian vote for Donald Trump? Um, can a Christian vote for a Democrat? Um, you know, is it, is it okay to wear shorts to church? I mean, these are things that Christians over the centuries perhaps have, have debated and thought about. How do we think through things that are debatable? Uh, and some of, you may, some of you may think as we talk about some of these topics, perhaps like, who in the world debates about it? Trust me, people have debated about them, so that'll be, get you to it. So I'll tell you a story like that. 25 years ago, I'm working on my master's degree. We lived in Albany. I was doing my work at SUNY Albany, University at Albany. And the, um, we, our little church that we were partner, part of partnered with another denominational, denomination's church to do a college ministry on the University at Albany campus. In one of our uh, leadership meetings for it, the discussion was about, um, hey, we want to do an outreach activity for... Uh, uh, for the university community, and uh, I remember I suggested that we do an after Sunday afternoon outreach pizza, uh, you know, ultimate frisbee, just a chance to really connect with students in a time where it's a real downtime on campus. Well, it was very interesting. This other, the individuals that were in leadership on our group from this other church reacted really strongly to it. And uh, their denominational perspective was that those kinds of activities were inappropriate on a Sunday. And I remember in that moment wanting to react really, really strongly like, oh my goodness, this reminds me of that story where Jesus is like condemned by the religious leaders for healing on a Sunday. You know, how wrong can it be to have a desire to share the gospel with other people on a Sunday? Somehow, maybe it was God's Holy Spirit, because I didn't really lash out in that moment, even though I was looking down on them. Um, I went back and I just started studying scripture on this topic of how do we think through this particular issue. And uh, while I didn't change my perspective about uh, whether it was good to be doing what we were doing with it, I did come across this passage in a, uh, that we're going to be looking at today from Romans chapter 14, as well as a similar passage in 1 Corinthians that help us as Christians know how to work through debatable topics. So we're going to read um, a long passage, Romans 14, 1 through 15, verse 7. And uh, almost by the time you're done, this is like so clear, we probably don't need a sermon, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. But uh, let's read this together. Uh, Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything 
but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another, while others think every day is alike. You should be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord, and if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be, both, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you stand, look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scriptures say. The insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things are written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. So it's a long passage, 
but I think it just really helps set up uh, this conversation that we're going to have today. What I want to do first is sort of dive into a little bit of what's coming out of the passage directly. Then I want to look at three principles that we can gain from it that will help us know how to approach difficult topics. And then I want to finish with three questions that we should ask as we approach uh, any kinds of challenges uh, like this. So it begins in first uh, one, right? And it Call it, it gives this expression, uh, somebody who's weak in one's faith. What does that mean? The, you have to understand what happens. When we accept Christ as Savior, uh, at that moment where we, we recognize that we can't be right with God except for what Christ has done for us, he takes and places his Holy Spirit in us. And that begins this journey that we have, this walk with God uh, that we have where the Holy Spirit begins to make us more and more of who God wants us to be. The big spiritual term for this is sanctification. And so this process begins where I become more and more of who Christ wants me to be. I mature in my faith. I become stronger in my faith. So when he says somebody that's weak in faith, it refers particularly to somebody perhaps who's young as a Christian, somebody who hasn't grown as a Christian. We know a little bit of what this means from Hebrews uh, 5.14, where it talks about uh, the idea of uh, maturity. It talks about the fact that the one who's a mature believer is characterized by uh, discernment, the ability to differentiate, to tell the difference between right and wrong. So to be able to see it, uh, uh, watch the news, listen to uh, the uh, music, uh, watch a movie, uh, interact with other people, uh, you know, view politics, begin to have an understanding as you do those things of discernment, of recognizing the difference between right and wrong. And Paul, right away in that first verse, begins to lay out what his expectations are, right? He says, don't argue with someone who believes something different than you do. That's our human tendency, right? We want others to see things the way we see things because we believe we're right. So you clearly must be wrong if you don't think about this the way that I think about it. That's our human nature. That's, and we live in a world where we've gotten very dichotomized, right, where there's this huge difference between people's perspectives, and we fight for those perspectives that we have. And Paul's message, and it's going to come through a lot here, is to don't argue. And then beginning in verse 2, Paul introduces the two topics, the two debatable issues that were particularly relevant in the Roman church. The first of those issues was related to what you eat. And um, this probably came because there was a set of Christians there who, um, who had been Jewish believers who came to faith in Christ and then felt like they still needed to follow the Jewish law, dietary uh, restrictions that were in the Jewish law. And so there was this uh, debate that existed within the, within the church around what people ate. And, uh, you know, whether one had to be a vegetarian or not to be a follower of God. Now, we may not have that exact debate in this church, but there certainly are. I mean, we live right next door to uh, the largest Seventh-day Adventist community in the globe. And at least particularly historically within that denomination, there was a very strong perspective about this, uh, where if one wasn't vegetarian, one could not possibly be right with God. So that even that specific debatable topic is still a debate in certain Christian circles uh, today. Um, But what we'll see from this is I believe that these examples of debatable topics allow us to make application to things that might be debatable in our world today. Jumping down to verse 5, though, Paul uh, lays out the second of his debatable topics, and it related to when do we 
worship the Lord. There was a debate going on. And again, this one was probably specifically related to Jewish believers, uh, Jewish individuals who'd come to faith in Christ and still wanted to honor the uh, Jewish calendar, the high holy days that had existed within the Jewish religion. And, uh, and there, so was there some debate like, hey, do we still have to follow that now that we are uh, followers of Christ? And so there was a debate amongst the church on that particular topic. And again, um, I think that the application of these passages goes well beyond those two debatable topics. But there are. This is still a debate within certain Christian circles today. Um, Jody and I were on a little trip up to the eastern Sierra, and on our way back down, there was this billboard on the side of the road that said that Sunday worship of God was a, it came because of the Antichrist, and so the Sabbath was the only day that you're to be worshiping God. So there are people that feel very strongly about some of these topics still, uh, but I think what we're going to see as we look at this is there's application to other debatable topics that might be more relevant for you or for this congregation in some kind of way. So I want next to look at three principles that are important for us to incorporate as we think about debatable topics ourselves. The first of these is the principle of unity. And we see this. If you just start looking at the language that Paul uses in this passage, right? Accept others. Don't argue. Don't condemn don't do, look down on, wow, that's a tough one, right? It's one thing for me to say, well, you can have your wrong, I mean, you can have your belief that you have on this particular topic, right? But I'm, gonna, I'm over here and I'm morally superior to you. And clearly I've gotten the right way of thinking about this, right? We tend to even give off that vibe sometimes without even necessarily meaning to because it's so easy for us to look down on people who think differently than we do. But Paul just keeps using this language of unity throughout it. We see this in, in chapter 15, verse 5. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. I love that word harmony, this idea of being together, being unified towards a purpose, right? Uh, we see that purpose in verse 19 of chapter uh, 14. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So our purpose of unity, our purpose of harmony is to encourage one another in our walk with God, to build one another up, to encourage them, and to be able to create a harmony for the Lord. Because God's desire for us, designed for us as human beings, is that we honor him. It's our desire, the highest end of man, is to glorify God. And, uh, and you see that in this principle for unity. And so part of the way that we get beyond the things that divide us is to recognize what are we supposed to be all about instead. So our first principle to incorporate is this principle of unity. The second one is the principle of conviction. We see this in verse 6, right, of chapter 14. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord. Uh, and finishes with those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord. So there's this idea, right, of honoring the Lord, just which means simply to uh, put him first and be obedient to what he's instructed us to do. And that gives us this idea of personal conviction. We see this in verse 23. It says there, uh, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. And again, verse 14, um, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat, 
But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. So the second principle is this idea that there's this realm of personal conviction, something that God has given you that if you do it, it's actually sin. He's made it clear to you in some kind of way, whether it's your study of Scripture, your prayer, your experiences with Him, your history as a person, the, you know, your uh, background and your family background, something where He's said to you, hey, this is something that's wrong for you, and uh, doing, so, doing this would actually be a sin. So this principle of personal conviction, of understanding that there's a realm of this. And this is actually something that for all of us to recognize is that somebody else might have personal conviction about an issue that you don't. So you just need to honor it because that's the recognition uh, that we give from this particular principle. Um, the third principle that's in this passage Uh, that's necessary as we think about debatable topics is what I'd call the stumbling block principle. This idea that what we do could cause another person to be shaken in their relationship with God. We should not cause or encourage another person to do something that is not in keeping with their convictions. We should avoid causing them to stumble in their faith. Um, Chapter 14, verse 21. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine, or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. Uh, Verse 13 in that same chapter. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong must be We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. So this idea of being a stumbling block, the things that I do, living out the freedom that I might feel on a particular topic, might lead somebody else to stumble in their own uh, faith because of the convictions that they have. So what do we post on social media sometimes? Right? Is that a place where because of what I post, I'm causing somebody else to stumble? I felt like for a while there was this whole thing where um, a lot of posts from Christians related to how wine was a really great thing late at night for them and whatever reason kind of a thing. And again, it's not a particularly moral issue except that it is a debatable topic. There are Christians who believe very strongly that it's wrong to ever drink alcohol. What do you think their reaction is when that's your post that you posted on social media? Um, how do you think about those kinds of things? How, uh, in, the, in the challenge in this passage that comes out over and over again is that the one who's stronger in their faith, the one who feels the greater freedom, is the one that actually doesn't use all of their freedom so that they don't cause somebody else to stumble. That's where the burden is, right? Because our tendency is to want to be like, hey, I'm free on this topic. I can do what I want to do, uh, but we're not being sensitive to another Christian who may have a different perspective on that particular topic. So those three principles, this principle of unity, the idea that God's desire for us is to be in harmony so that we um, are unified in our worship of him, this principle of conviction, this understanding that God is going to give individuals a particular perspective because of their study of scripture and their understanding of of what God has directed them to do, Uh, and this principle of the stumbling block, this idea that uh, the things that I do might cause somebody else to stumble in their faith. I want to finish, though, by looking at three questions that are critical for us as we think about any particular topics, and particularly as it connects to this idea of debatable issues. First question, what does the Scripture command directly? 
So there are certain things that Scripture makes really clear because they come through as commands to us. So there, it's like a, there's no doubt what God's standard is in this particular area. And in order to know that, we need to be reading God's word. We need to be studying God's word. We need to be serious about what it is that God is saying on a particular topic. So let me just take an example of that. Um, you know, this question of, hey, should Christians uh, drink alcohol? Um, and that's very much a debatable issue, but there are some parameters on it that are very clear. For example, Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine. It's one of about 12 different places in Scripture that clarify that drunkenness is a sin. So it doesn't answer the question of should a Christian drink alcohol, but it does provide a clear border, a boundary, a space, a, a, a clear directive about something that is sinful for us to do as Christians related to this topic. And so that becomes part of like my understanding of how I approach uh, such a topic. We can know for certain what God wants in, a, in one aspect of a particular debatable issue. Um, so that's the first question we ask. What does God command directly? How do I make sense of it from that perspective? Second question they ask is, what are the principles from God's word that come to bear on the topic at hand? So some things are not real clear-cut from Scripture. You know, the Scripture hasn't said directly, how do I approach such and such a topic? But there are principles that come to bear in terms of uh, a scriptural approach to a particular topic. I'll give you an example related to you know, when do we worship God or how do we think about the concept of Sabbath, right? Um, and now there are direct commands in this. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It says, honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So that mean I have to worship God only on Saturday? Hmm, maybe we have to change some things around here. Well, part of the way we understand our interpretation of Scripture um, comes with this understanding that there's been more and more revelation the longer that we've been around in the world. And as we look back at the Old Testament, the way we interpret the Old Testament is through the lens of Christ's life on earth. And so when we look at Christ's life on earth, what do we see there? We see the fact that he um, made it very clear that the Sabbath day is not about keeping a certain set of rules. There was a principle there of Sabbath rest and a principle there of Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath from a perspective of um, uh, directing our attention to God and the things of God in that kind of a concept. And so both of those ideas of the principle come through. And we can see this when you think about the creation narrative, right, in, in Genesis. God says God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh day. So it introduces this principle of rest built into the Sabbath. And when we look at well, the idea of Sabbath throughout the scriptures, the idea of it being a day that we focus on God, that we uh, make that our point of emphasis in terms of how we live our life in that day. And so that's an example on a topic like that where it's not a clear cut, hey, this is what you have to do. There's not a command related to it, but there are principles from Scripture that might approach how we think about when and, and uh, we give this, the idea of Sabbath or when we worship the Lord. Or another example, we you know, the, hear a lot out there today on on environmental issues. How do we as Christians think about environmental issues? Well, there's nothing in Scripture that says you need to do this or you can't drive a you know, gas-based automobile or you know, there's nothing like that in the Bible that says direct commands. But what there is would be a principle that comes from Scripture uh, related to um, how we think about things because God in the creation says to Adam, um, I've given you responsibility for the care of creation. 
I've given you this place in the garden. So that becomes a principle that I would use to think about, hey, how do I think about this issue or that issue in terms of, of my approach? So that's examples of how this concept of principle works in. So my first question, what does the scripture command directly? My second question, what are the principles from God's word that bear on the topic at hand? And then here's the third question. Have I been willing to ask the questions? Right? There's a little bit of a tendency when we read this passage in Romans to think, hey, you know what? I want to be the strong fella. You know, I want to be the strong believer here. I don't want to have to. I want to be the one that gets to celebrate my freedom. And if I'm the strong one and I get all this extra freedom, uh, why bother asking the questions? That seems to be a lot more comfortable place to be. That's not what God's desire for us. God's desire is that we seek convictions, that we seek to spend time in his word, that we're studying the scriptures, that we're asking ourselves the difficult questions, that we're willing to consider the fact that God may have a different path for you than he does for the person that's next to you related to some of these debatable topics, and that's okay. And um, I think sometimes we would rather not ask the questions because it puts us into a difficult place. I might have to do something different than my neighbor who's not a follower because, you know, I've asked these questions and sought God's guidance on it. I might have to have a different answer. I might have to have a different perspective. And I don't want to be legalistic or I don't want to be looked that down on or I don't want to have, you know, that kind of perspective or be that kind of a person. But the reality is I think that God wants us to ask these questions. So the three questions, what does, what does the scriptures command? What are the principles that come to bear? And have I been willing to ask the questions. So as the worship team comes back up, as we think about, we live in a world with there are debatable topics. You know, there are things that we disagree with as believers, uh, and that's okay. But are we practicing the principle of unity? Are we practicing the principle of conviction, this idea that there are personal convictions that we have? And are we practicing the principle of not being a stumbling block? Let's bow in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the fact that as we study it and we approach you and we ask you that you will give us direction in our lives, you will help us know um, how to follow you better, how to grow in our relationship with you, Lord. And I just would ask that each one of us would be brave enough to uh, ask the questions, to study what does your word say directly, to understand what are the principles that come to bear and to not shirk from our responsibility to develop convictions, Lord. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.